0: Hello there, and you are very welcome to Talking Saints, the official St. Patrick's Athletic podcast with myself, Jamie Moore. And I'm very happy to welcome a man who has played his football for UCD, Sporting Fingal, Shelburne and Glenavon, among others. But he's best known for his time in the famous red and white of St. Patrick's Athletic, where he scored 77 goals in 251 games across six seasons. He's won it all, the League of Ireland Premier Division, the League of Ireland First Division, a couple of FAI Cups with different clubs, League Cups, the President's Cup, the FAI Cup, and most recently, I've learned the Mid Ulster Cup. Loads of personal accolades, too. And he announced his retirement recently from professional football, but still playing locally and getting ready for a game tonight. Myself and Conan Byrne are chatting on Monday. Conan, welcome to Talking Saints. How are you?
1: I'm not too bad, Jamie. How's things?
0: Yeah, things very good. Thank you. Not bad at all. Uh, thanks for jumping on to, to have a chat with us. So, first, no, thanks you, for having me. You might talk us through and the support supporters listening or watching the podcast on our YouTube channel why you took the decision to retire from professional football recently?
1: Yeah, well, look, I was him um, and Han about whether to do it 18 months ago, being totally honest. Um, before Glenavon came in, I had a couple of offers um, south of the border. And um, nowadays, Jamie, though, as you, as you probably know yourself, I don't know, I don't know if the supporters know this, but even part-time clubs are, are training three, four nights a week. And with me, me obviously being a teacher, a father of two young children as well, I just felt that I was that was just too much of a commitment to give. Um, but when the opportunity came up to try something new up in Glenavon, um, I said, "Why not?" You know, was, I only had to go up on a on a Tuesday and, and a match on a Saturday, um, so I'd be around a lot more. And um, I decided to, to to why not try that try that challenge for for a uh, for a change. And yeah, it, it went really well. Really enjoyed it. Obviously, COVID hit, um, but apart from a couple of months, we we played through all that. Um, And, yeah, it was um, a wonderful experience. Met some wonderful people. Brilliant club in Avon as well. Um, And, yeah, they're going to push on next year and do really, really well, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, you announced your retirement at the end of April and you played your last game a couple of weeks later. And, you know, you had probably some time to to speak to, you know, your wife and your kids and your mum and dad and stuff at the time you were making the decision. So how have you found the time since from when you played that last game up north to kind of now and you've had a couple of weeks to... To reflect, unwind, and then get going. Of course, for your amateur career now with uh, your local side, River Valley, isn't it?
1: Yeah, River Valley. Yeah, you know what, Jamie? I thought it'd be, it'd be, I don't know, probably more difficult. Um, and maybe it just hasn't hit me yet. Like, I suppose with COVID as well, playing behind closed doors in, in games over the last year and a half, over last year anyway, year and a year and a bit, it's kind of made it easier. Um, because. It's kind of the transition from that level into to junior football has been seamless, and um, because because of being playing in front of similar crowds. I'll be honest with you. I suppose um, leaving the League of Ireland has, has probably eighteen months ago has helped that. Um, if I had just stopped then, I think I would have found it a lot more difficult than than I do now. Um, but perhaps it just hasn't hit me yet. I don't know. I've um, it's only been a couple of weeks. I know, but a, a lot of a lot of things have happened. Obviously, I'm. I'm, um, still, I was coming to the end of my school year. I literally um, played my last game for Glenavon on a Saturday and I ended up training with River Valley on a Tuesday. And so I didn't give myself any time to, to reflect. I'm still really much involved in the League of Ireland with, with the podcast that I do with uh, Pundit Arena and Khan. Uh, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of still still active. It's not as if I've taken a, a complete backseat in things and, and that I'm, I'm, I'm not involved in anything. I think if I, if that was the case it would be a lot harder but um so yeah I, I I do need to stay involved though I think if I if I had to pull back and, and stop playing football um I would have found it very difficult because I love football Jamie I've I've always loved football um and I'd never I don't god help me when the day I will have to stop playing but um as long as I can I I feel for my mental state I have to
0: yeah, as you mentioned, I was just listening to your podcast this morning, yourself and Conan speaking to Mark Scanlon. It's called LOI Arena and it's on Spotify and also on the Pundit Arena website. So anyone's not aware, of but go and give it a listen to a brilliant League of Ireland podcast. And we'll be seeing Conan quite soon as well on the sidelines of Richmond with myself and Gerald O'Brien for uh, LOI TV for one of the upcoming games as well. So that'd be nice to, to have you back in Richmond. And let's talk about your time at St. Pats, Conan. Six seasons and the St. Pats fans are really looking forward to, I know, hearing uh, you tell the story of your, your career at St. Pats. Uh, 77 goals, I mentioned 61 of those in the league. Uh, you signed at the beginning of the 2013 season which was the season that St. Pats won the league and then the FAI Cup the year later and so on. But my spies tell me that you could have possibly signed a year earlier and the current St. Pats manager, Alan Matthews, who was then the manager of Shells, and Liam Buckley who was your manager for your whole time at St. Pats, now the boss of Sligo, were having a bit of a fight over your services I believe?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't really be a fight between the two lads. It was more a case of a um, I had a kind of an inner fight with myself um because the reason being is because L- before Liam had got the job at St. Pat's I had agreed to sign back um for Shelburne with Alan Matthews we had just been promoted from from the first division um and I'd agreed to sign for the 2012 season with Shelburne I hadn't signed anything but I'd agreed and it's very very I'd never really go back on my words um on things like that Janie. um and I actually was, I'll be honest, I was absolutely devastated when Liam Buckley got the job um, at Pats because it would have been the, um, I would have preferred to go there. Um, hope Alan doesn't mind me saying that now. I'm sure he, uh, he agrees. Um, but even when I did make the decision to, to stay on with Shelburne, um, there was an opportunity to sign um, in the summer. And Dean Kelly was with St. Pats at the time and wasn't getting a, a look in there with, under Liam. And Alan Matthews wanted to sign Dean um, for Shelburne, so there was a possibility of a swap deal. And I remember it was very, very close. I remember being um, down in Druids Glen with uh, with Amanda and Kayla at the time. I don't think uh, Ellie wasn't born, so and um, I went there for a game of golf by myself because I was waiting for this call, whether or not this was going to happen or not in the summer. And I think Pat's were in European European action that that time as well, as far as I can remember. They were in Hanover Um, that week. So as you can imagine, playing a, a prestigious game like that for the club and, and getting involved would have been would have been great. I was really looking forward to it. And I remember, I putted my last my last ball in the eighteenth hole, and my phone went off, and it was John O'Brien. And John O'Brien was the, a very very good friend of Liam Buckley, and he was club secretary of Sporting Fingal when Sporting Fingal was founded. And he was the one to break the news to me to say that the deal was off. Um, Dean wanted to stay on and. Uh, fight for his place or Pats during the European spell and you can't can't blame him for that um and then Alan wouldn't let me go for because he'd be stuck there himself if if, uh if I was needed so um I think from then on I think everybody knew it was the worst kept secret in the world when I signed for St. Pats in, in 2013 but I remember when I did sign there I signed the same day as Killian and Killian um as you all know had a has is a fantastic player was a fantastic player for Pats but he was a he was a huge personality around the league um, at the time. And so he took all the, the pressure off, off my signing completely. And um, I was very, very happy with that. But I remember thinking to myself, are Pats going to be, are going to like the signing of Conor and um, Didn't really play much at Shelburne in, in, in the 2012 Premier Division season. Um, they hadn't really seen me then since the 2010 Premier Division season at Sporting Fingal so I was a relatively unknown figure to, to St. Pat's fans um, when I signed so I knew straight away that I would have had to hit the ground running um, at the club and um, thankfully I did that in pre-season I scored a couple of goals I remember scoring a, a free kick um, against that loan in a pre-season friendly wind assisted mind you from close enough to the halfway line um, so that kind of helped and um, the season started relatively okay and um, but then during the middle of the season, then a couple of goals went in and uh, kicked on from there. So, yeah, it was it was that, that's how they, that's how I signed for, for St. Pat's.
0: I can confirm Conan Byrne is not a very good golfer, just so you know. And I'm probably worse. <laughs> we did have a game uh, whenever it was, yes, and uh, very enjoyable. But you, you always, when you talk about that phone call when it came in and, and when you got the news that it wasn't happening or whatever, like you always remember where you were when... You get news, that's either good news or bad news, and so, so it's interesting that you're out on a golf course on your own because you just needed some space and time to clear your head. We'll talk through your time at Pats in loads of detail and I'll have loads of questions to ask you and some from supporters as well, Conan, but in your own words, how would you sum up the six seasons as a Super Saints?
1: Um, it'd be very hard to describe, Jamie. Like, the memories that I have at St. Pats um, will live with me forever. Now, I signed for St. Pats, not a fan of the club didn't even know much history about the club i had to figure that out myself and i remember when i signed for for shelburne i did i did some history um because i think it's important as a footballer that you know the history of a football club and i did the same then when i signed for st pats i'll be honest i knew very little and um, apart from the current setup and maybe the the years previously where i played against them um but then when you you go through the first couple of months and you get to meet the personalities um, around the club and it grows on you and then it sh- shows the way when your family go to games and how they're treated um, my mum and dad then went to uh, every single one of my games home away and they never did that at any other club be it before or after um, they did go to the the Fingal games sorry but then um, they had a vested interest in that but in terms of UCD Shelburne Glenavon, I'd say they went to you could count on two fingers how many games they went to. Um, so they were very, very much kind of part of the family at, at St. Pat's. And um, I think that's important. It, it, it's not just what you do on, on a football pitch. Um, it's what you do off it. And the welcoming that you received, whether you win, lose or draw, um, by the St. Pat's fans, it, it was absolutely incredible. I'll give you one, I'll give you one little story about how, how you'd call it a family. I was back in 2014, 2015, 2016, I was going through my teaching qualifications and I hadn't studied Irish since I left secondary school and I needed to brush up on it big time to get in. Um, so firstly, I needed to do an interview and then obviously I had to go down to the Guéldocht, had to write assignments. And uh, Coleman Hanley, as you, as you know, is a, is a, is a Gaelgar. Um, but his father, Tom, is um, was a former principal of the Jewish school. Um, and... I, he gave no end amount of time to me um, over the course of one summer where I was out in his house constantly um, learning Irish. And it's the time that, like, he didn't have to do that. Um, but he did it because, one, he's a good person, but two, because I am I was a St. Pats player and he wanted to help me out. Um, and there's those type of, I don't know, incidents that will live long in the memory. So any time that, I, like I'm in my profession in you know, a couple of years, I wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for Tom. And um, I owe a debt of gratitude to him. And then, as we've talked about him loads of times, Pat O'Callaghan, another stalwart of the club. Um, his son, obviously, was chairman at, at one time as well, Andrew. Um, and it's just people like him, Jamie, I'll know to, I know I missed, there's, as you all know, there's countless others as well. Um, and it's uh, it's just very much a community club and I try I tried to do instill that at Sporting Fingal when I was community development manager and I'd never sought um anything like that apart from St. Pat's.
0: There's a lovely story. And one I didn't know, actually, and I'm not sure if many of our listeners will know that story either. You'll be happy to know that Handys still very much heavily involved in St. Pat's and always will be great people, great St. Pat's people too. So uh, that's a, a nice story, Conan. And you mentioned you were going through your qualifications to become a teacher around that time. You were also going through the 2013 League of Ireland season, at the end of which your first season of the club St. Pat's would win the Premier Division playing great football with great players, the battle with Dundalk, Stephen Kenny's first year in charge of Dundalk, St. Pats finished top by three points, the slugger game at Richmond Park that everybody remembers, the Greg Bulger goal etc, title confirmed celebrations etc cetera, etc, cetera. how would you sum up 2013 and the league win in your first year at the club?
1: I've never played football like it Jamie um, in terms of just the, we knew exactly what we had to do when we went out and the moment we went on, uh, went out onto the pitch and you you think that in, in training that we were went through shape a lot and, and patterns and style of play and different things, but we didn't. Um, we were that comfortable in possession of the ball that we knew our jobs. We knew exactly where we had to be. Um, and it was just a, a, a wonderful time to be to be a footballer during those early, early years at Pats um, because nine times out of 10, you were going out onto the pitch knowing that, knowing that you were going to win especially in the 2013 season. 2014 didn't start off as well. We finished like a train. Um, but 2013, yeah, it was just brilliant. And you can hear, even when you talk to other people now that played against us, they're st- they still refer to that that team as probably one of the best they've played against. And yeah, you hear about Dundalk and, and Shamrock Rovers recently. But they, they, I felt that we played better football than, than those sides. Obviously, they're born winners and they, were, they, were, they knew how to win games and they were dogged and determined. And, um, brilliant footballers um, footballing teams that had great tactics and technical ability and all that but we just had something about us in our style of play was something that um, I haven't seen in the league since and I was look Jamie I was very very lucky to be part of that um, because there wasn't it wasn't a case where I'm putting myself up on a pedestal as being one of the top players on that, on that side I'm talking about that it was like Greg Bulger was Killian Brennan, John Russell completely underrated as a footballer. There was uh, Bisto up front, it was Chris Forrester, um, who was absolutely unplayable at times. But the back four, I don't I don't think got enough credit for, for how they were and how they built up from the back. Bermo, Jair, uh, Kenny, Connor, Kenny, um, another underrated player at Pats, and um, how we played as, as as a as a team. And as I said, how we, we knew where we were, and like my job. And I don't understand why, player, why people don't do this as players don't do this more regularly. My job was to keep my heels to the touchline when Jair had it and put balls into the box and be on the end of crosses from the other side. Three jobs and that was it. And if I did that right, well, then I stayed in the team. So if I decided to drift inside and try and, and beat three or four players, which probably wouldn't happen, um, I wouldn't be playing. So I was always told to do to do a job, and I did it to the best of my ability. And thankfully, Liam, uh, Liam, played me most weeks for that. Um, I don't think players listen to their managers enough these days in terms of what they have, what they're being asked to do. And um, I think if you did, and if you have the, obviously, you need a bit of quality to be able to do it, um, you'll be you'll be in his plans. So thankfully, I was I was part of those plans for for the years that Liam was there, and um, we had tremendous success. And obviously, 2013 was. Was huge as well as, as well as 2014.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you about Liam Buckley later on, Conan, but the fact that you brought him up, I may as well ask you about him now. And he was at Richmond last week with Sligo, not the result he would have wanted, but myself and Jerry, who were doing the LOI TV, had a good chat with himself. And Dave Campbell beforehand and listened to Liam's interviews after most matches, he still talks about wanting his teams to link it in and get crosses into the box. And obviously, his Sligo team had a great win the other night against Bowes and stuff. And just. Remind me there about what he wanted from you, and he was very direct and clear with his instructions for you and for all of the players. And for you in particular, it was get crosses in the box for the likes of Christy Fagan and others. And when the ball is on the other side, being at the back post to score. And it's fair to say you did both of those quite well as a Pats player over the years.
1: Yeah, and like I was always it was a center forward growing up. So I only moved out wide when I was at UCD. So um, like so, I only spent a couple of years as a winger. Um, but yeah, Liam was huge because um, I, don't mean, I don't want to be disrespectful to other managers, but they didn't, they didn't play the same way that Liam did. So as a wide man, the ball was on the ground. But any other manager as a wide man, the ball was more like more often than not in the air. And as everybody knows, that's not my greatest strength when the ball is up in the air. So um, when the ball was at the, on, on the deck and I was in a position and to take it and um, forward I always try I always did that I always was very very direct I very rarely tried to play back and um, and also as well I remember Killian telling me this one Killian Brennan telling me this actually one time is it because I was only a only a wide man he was um, for a couple of years but he was a wide man when he was at Bose when they were very very successful and he always used to tell me like when you drive inside a fullback they can't catch you, and he's 100% right because it's very very unlikely that if you go tearing as full full pace inside a fullback um that they're going to make a tackle on you obviously you could run into traffic but more often than that you can lay it off and, and and receive the ball somewhere else um but thankfully my crossing was probably my best asset and um I was able to kind of get a half yard and whip a ball in with pace and that's something that a lot of players struggle with with in getting that half yard and putting a, a good ball into the box they mightn't have the, the strength to whip the ball around as, as as much Jair is very good at it as well um but thankfully i was good at that and like there was a lot of things that i was very bad at <laughs> um but thankfully the most important things was the was the crossing and, and uh, my directness and um as i said like blame was very very good to me throughout, throughout my whole career and um he was a, an unbelievable manager to work under
0: yeah, and I think that word is, is so important, the word manager and, you know, man management is something in football that at different clubs varies, different managers vary how they do things. I know at the moment, Alan and Stephen O'Donnell, you know, would be known among the St. Pat's squad as very good man managers. Liam would have been the same with your team, with you in particular, you had him at Sporting Fingal, you had him at St. Pat's for all those years and there was just such a special relationship between Liam and... And his players, um, I was lucky enough to see it towards the back end from kind of 2015. on I mean, when I joined the club and worked in the academy and was lucky enough to be around the team a little bit to see his train and play and stuff. But that Liam kind of treating the person first before the player and then how that was repaid to him on the pitch by you guys is something I think should be mentioned.
1: Yeah absolutely like uh, my relationship with Liam started way back obviously when you said back in 2000 and late 2007 when um he had signed for uh, he had managed started managing Sporting Fingal and again I hadn't really heard about this club that was setting up in my own le- my own local area and anyway I'd got to receive a call from Liam decide to meet him at the, at a hotel um up at the airport and um talked a little bit not about things he said he didn't he never really saw me with a critical eye um so he just heard about me at UCD. And then um, when I was about to sign my contract, obviously the negotiations, um, I invited him out to my house and um, yeah, we just we just uh, chatted in my front room and, and funnily enough actually, I strategically placed some um, former uh, like trophies around that sitting room, um, like 30 years or goal i remember there was one my my local club sword rovers at the time gave me a plaque they kept all my goals my record of goals from under eight to under 16 and it was 310 goals in in those in those years and they gave me a plaque with with the with it on it and i remember i put that on top of the mantelpiece and said look at least he knows i can score some goals of course <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah he remembers that well actually i was talking to him a couple of weeks ago and he brought that up so um yeah, like that. That's where where it started, and um, obviously I played a lot of games. I only missed one game for Fingal at Leinster Senior Cup game um, against Shelbourne. I played every other game for for Liam. So I knew going to Pats that I had a great chance to play, even though Pats were finished second in the league the previous year. Um, they had a bit of a, a few players had left um, to go to Shamrock Rovers. Um, that Trevor Crowley, uh, Liam Buckley, that we all know about. Um, so a lot of some of the players had left Um, so I had a good opportunity to to, to start and and, um, Liam gave me that opportunity straight away so I I grabbed it with both hands and yeah it went the the relationship's still going today
0: Sunday the 2nd of November 2014 at the Aviva Stadium is a date that will be in St. Pat's folklore, history, memory for life it's the day that the club ended a 53-year wait to win the FAI Cup, again, a 2-0 victory over Derry City, both goals scored by Christy Fagan. I was working that day calling for 98FM up in the press box, and um, when Christy Fagan scored the second goal in, like, injury time, just to seal the win, because at 1-0 in a Cup final, you're always liable to concede a goal, and all of a sudden the goal is to extra time, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the tears on the pitch, the Brian Kerr TV commentary when everyone knew he was a Pats man, but they certainly knew he was a Pats man when, when he he reacted to that second goal, et cetera. Um, the emotion of it all, like, what stands out for you most about that day?
1: Christy. I remember that day for the rest of my life, obviously, because it was 53 years um, that the club hadn't, had gone without an FAI Cup. But, and that's what probably it means the most, that, that, that medal means the most to me than, than any other, um, would be that FAI Cup success because the heartache that, that it had, that I had on Pat's fans. But, you're asking me to, what do I remember most? It's, it's Christy, Christie's two goals. And it feels as if because he, he left so quietly from not just Pats, but from league of Ireland, it feels like, I don't know. He didn't get the send off that he deserved as, as a footballer. Christy was um, absolutely magnificent as a footballer, like an absolute dream to play, to play alongside the 2014 season. He was unplayable. He was absolutely brilliant. Um, and we had a great understanding. The two of us, obviously, I, um, I contributed to some of his goals. He contributed to, to some of mine that season as well. Um, he probably didn't play as much in 2013 as he would have liked, but Bisto was was doing really, really well up top. And I was I, I was so happy um, for Christie when when he got the two goals because he fully deserved it given the season that he had. And um, he's down in history now for. for Forever among Pat's fans, um, for those two goals, and he's revered by everybody, and including the players that played with him that day. Um, I don't think that if, if you ask anybody from that team, um, who the best player they they played with that season, every single one was going to say Christy Fagan, because he was uh he was brilliant. But I sat beside him in the dressing room as well, Jamie, and um, there was no airs or graces with him. He was just a, a really really top person as well, which is so important to him. Um, I think that's why the why the relationship was was so strong between us because it's funny like before games we would never have to talk about the upcoming game we'd always talk about our kids or or talk about uh, how he's getting on his taxi or um, he's asking me about my, my 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 education and and it was always kind of we weren't really talking we never never really talked about football um, and I think that's why the the relationship on the pitch was so, was so strong because we had a, we had that. Telepathic relationship on the pitch, and um, yeah, he was just a, a brilliant fella. Brilliant fella.
0: Yeah, he's actually just either just finished or just finishing a degree in physiotherapy at UCD, and he's definitely someone who we look to speak to on the podcast at some stage as well. And you know, good luck to that. He hates all that. I know. Good I, know that. I know. I've been trying <laughs> over the years to convince him because he, of course he got that serious injury in training, um, which which effectively kind of ended his career and stuff. And as you said, you know, he he probably you know St. Pat's people certainly know just how good he was and the type of person that he was but I think the, the point you make about you know maybe it'll be interesting to just hear his, his, his story and his career and how he did it because he was a top 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 goal scorer and a really nice guy as well so uh, we'll definitely try and chat to him uh, at some stage they say in football Conan we play it for the winning moments and you have a lot more losing moments than winning moments which makes the winning moments so much sweeter from the final whistle at the Aviva on that day in November 2014 to when you fell into bed in the hotel that night. Um, just take me through maybe some of the standout bits from like on the pitch, different the trophy to in the dressing room and in that private moment to being back at the hotel and just the supporters. And I think there was lots of tears and lots of drink taking, which is, which is fully understandable and, and just the, the perfect few hours after the perfect win.
1: Yeah, my memory is um, of that. My memory is always hazy anyway. I can't really remember much stuff about that the, the afters of that. I just remember being in the, in the dressing room after the game and I did a big, like there was always champagne all over the floor and I did a big slide into the cup. And, um, and yeah, I just remember like going around the, the, the Aviva afterwards and, um just seeing all the supporters and what it meant to them. I remember Liam <laughs> giving the FBI cup into the supporters as well, where he got into trouble um, from Obviously, the people that were looking after the cup, um, because they didn't get it back for a couple of minutes, which was which was obvious that that was going to happen, um. But seeing all the tears, the all the people, all the people crying. Remember when we won the league in twenty thirteen? Like they were like, yeah, that's grand, like, but we want the FBI Cup more, and that was the that was the resounding message that that we were hearing from the fans is that it, yeah, the league, that's brilliant, that's fantastic, but we want we need the FBI Cup. So when we were able to bring it back to the Red Kill that that night, um the roar when you walked in and um, we had a little room to ourselves actually so we could get something to eat before we went into the to the main function room um. so yeah it was just a really wonderful wonderful experience um, and then obviously the next the days after going to McDell's and, and uh, tavis um, as well
0: Tavies, so, I think Tavies. Tavies, is
1: it? Yeah, ta- I used to always call it Tavies
0: Could be you've been there more than me. <laughs> no,
1: I, I've only been there once, <laughs> um, and that was that night, yeah, or the following day, and yeah, I remember um, just having those wonderful, wonderful moments. And, and look, like yeah, it's great the experience with the fans, but we wanted it as players as well, and it was nice to have that, that those moments within within the group um, as well, which was which was really nice to do. So. I'm sorry I can't give you any more stories. But my, and it's not even the drink because I wasn't a big, not a big drinker. It's just that my, my memory is terrible.
0: No, that's that's totally fine. Um, I think unless you work, you know, maybe as a doctor or a nurse or, you, you, you know, you work in the emergency services or whatever, there's not too many industries where something that you do will make grown adults cry in front of you and tell you how much what you've done has meant to them and that sort of stuff. But sport has a way of, that happening and in the red cow that night and I know you know you were probably chatting to millions of people and stuff but just the stories you hear back and I wasn't there but the stories you hear back of, of just the emotion of it all and what it meant to the people the supporters and stuff and you spoke very well around about St Pat's being a family club and an inclusive club and and um, that was probably an example of, of just what a sporting match and a sporting moment which is your profession can mean to thousands of people yeah like
1: look I was I spoke to so many people that that night that it, it was unbelievable um, and yeah I was as I said to you I joined the club not a fan of the club so I can only imagine what it would and, and it's still my, my greatest win would have been um, my, my finest medal is that FA Cup one so I can only imagine how the likes of Gerald Brown, Ian Birmingham, Brendan Clark those lads would have, well, would have felt being on the terraces as children probably being to Lansdowne um, and the Aviva, obviously the twenty twelve memories as well, um, not too far, not too distant in, in their minds after losing to to Derry City, ironically as well. Um, so I can only imagine what, what those lads felt like, um, and, and the experience of that being being local lads winning their winning FAI Cup. <laughs> I suppose I did win it with Fingal as a local fella, but you know what I mean in terms of St Pat's and how long they waited um, for that for that elusive FAI Cup success and. You see, as I said, he had just there a couple of years I don't mean, don't, I don't want to be repeating myself, but when we won the league, people were like, "Yeah, that's great," but we want the FAI Cup, and to deliver that a year later um, was huge. And I suppose I can't not mention Keith Fahy in that too, because Keith was v- instrumental in, for us that season. He played absolutely superb in uh, in that number eight role. Um, himself and Killian Bren- Brennan pushed on, and Greg Bulger, um mopping everything up, and. Um, Yeah, uh, Keith was magnificent in that final as well.
0: We've mentioned lots of your teammates there. A young Chris Forrester could be added to the list as well and, and, you know, he was fantastic in that team, playing on the left wing for a lot of it as well and, and, and scoring great goals and stuff before he went off to the UK and now he's back and scoring great goals again for St. Pat's from a more central role, but... You know, some of the players, Conan, and we spoke about the football played and, and you know, the influence of the manager and the coach and staff and stuff, but it was the players ultimately on the pitch playing the football and, um, like, the quality of teammate you had across that time, particularly kind of 13, 14, 15, you know, when there was the league, the FAI Cup, and, and then the first of the League Cups came in Europe every year at that time as well. Um, like, what type of things come to mind when I ask you just to talk about the quality of both the people and the players that you were able to call your teammates?
1: They probably thought I was the worst player in history because they were so good. <laughs> um, Very well said, sir. <laughs> like, it was, a, it, like, and as a player, like, and I've said this a few times, like, I was, at every club I've been to, I was probably only one of maybe two or three people that had never received an international cap. So when people think back to their their youth, they would never have seen me anywhere because I was playing a worse standard of football than they were. I never was across the water, went on trial across the water. I never got signed by anybody across the water. So I was a relatively unknown when I went into UCD. So then when I became, started doing well, I'm sure people were like, who is this fella? Um, And that kind of, I just, I felt I was always trying to prove myself anyway, um, right through my career because I felt like that myself. I was like, they don't know me. I, I I need to do better than them. I need to be more, stay out in the training ground and practice and practice and practice. And that's what I did. But to play with those players that I looked up to as as a child, you know, um, seeing them play international, getting international appearances, even seeing them playing for the likes of Cherry Orchard, St. Kevin's, Belvedere, and um, I was miles away from that. So to play with them in the pitch, I always, I kind of always felt that I had to raise my game at every single time I walked out onto that pitch. And that's including the training pitch. Like, and there's plenty of time, like, I've been called touch tackle because my my touch which isn't the worst in the world it was nowhere near what they were and like I'd always I'd take a touch and obviously that's why they're called touch tackle take a touch but my touch leads me into another tackle um so uh yeah it was just a privilege to play with those players like um like even I think everyone knows how good Killian is but I really don't think how no he was incredible um if I always feel that if it wasn't for his, um, I, I, don't know, I wouldn't say his. Yeah, probably would be his attitude and and um, he could have he could have made it to the very very top. He was incredible. Um, we all know how good Greg Bulger is. You look at the, the everywhere he goes, he wins something. I'd be no surprise to see him win something this year. I hope it's not a league. But um, matter he wins something, um and. Then, like as you said, Chris farce Chris was a joke. Again, I was training him on time, and he did something on me, and I couldn't find him or the ball. Um, for about five seconds afterwards, he was gone, and I, honest to God, was looking around me trying to figure out where he was gone. So, the players were were incredible. It was a joy to play with, and um, yeah, I always felt as if I was um, yeah, I wouldn't not I wouldn't say not good enough, but. Very happy to be playing amongst them.
0: That's a a very honest thing to say, Conor Byrne. Because I'm sure they'll all express just how good you were for the team as well, and you know the number of goals and assists you got uh, says just that. On this day, five years ago, it was St. Pats in action against Junis Esch from Luxembourg in the Europa League, Conan, in 2016. The following leg uh, then was against the the team from Belarus. I was lucky enough to be involved on the coaching staff with Liam for those couple of games. And uh, Weird to think that it's five years today that that Luxembourg uh, team that we played, Jeunesse Esch, were playing just time flies, of course. Um, St. Pats, of course, haven't been in Europe for the last little while and hopefully will be next year. Um, You played lots of European games for the club. Is there... Different bits and bobs, whether they be opposition games, home games at Richmond in front of the fans, maybe some away trips that, that come to mind when you think back about your European adventures?
1: Just on that, is that is that the away game or was it the home game?
0: The home game.
1: Okay, because the away game, it, thankfully it was down as the, as the striker. I can't remember his name. But I actually have scored more on goals in Europe, Jamie, than I have scored in uh, the opposition net. I scored an OG against Legia and Tala in the 5-0 defeat and I scored an OG in that game with the 1SS um, in Luxembourg when uh, I think it was Darren he scored.
0: Yes, I think from a Keith, could have been a Keith, Tracy. Uh...
1: Ball into the box, wasn't it? Was yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It was, I don't think it was a, it was a free kick. Um, but yeah, a funny story on that trip, actually, the 1SS, is that as I, as I spoke about earlier, my mother and father were, um, went to every game home and away, and that included Europe. And I remember before the game, there was the Pats fans up in, in the stadium, in, in the stand, and my parents weren't there. I was like that's strange because I was only talking to them about three hours ago and they were saying they're on their way. Twenty minutes into the game, throw in down that side, just had a glance up, which you do. The odd time, they weren't there. I was like, What's going on here? Anyway, at them came back out. Half time, the second half, and then they were there. So like, God, oh, they must have got lost or whatever. And it was only found out after the game is that they were in um, a taxi on the way to the to the stadium, but the taxi man went, brought them to the wrong ground. Hmm. And on the way back. He was or on the way to the, to the proper ground, the 1SH ground. He went down a bus lane. But in Luxembourg, if you go down a bus lane, um, these barriers come up in the middle of the road if you're not a bus. And the barrier came, or a little pole came right up through the taxi's, taxi's car, right up through the middle of it, and bounced my mom and dad around the back seat. <laughs> and my dad's face was black and blue he had sunglasses on so um, at the time but he was absolutely black and blue but because they wanted to get to the game so much they just forgot about everything and just left the scene and and got to the game so they could have made an absolute fortune out of this um, if they had stayed put but they wanted to get to the game so much that they just left it and uh, off they went to the game so um, very lucky to be alive by all accounts the car was mangled um, with this pole going right up through it which was uh, yeah, a story that I was told after the game.
0: God, I'm laughing, but I shouldn't. I didn't realise it was that serious. My God. And <laughs> their love of you and their love of St. Pat's meant that they just left all that and uh, off they went to the game. And the away leg, which was in the... What date have we got here? Uh, the fifth of July was the away leg, so that was a two-one win for Esh. You're, you're right, Darren. Then he scored, but that away goal got St Pat's through. Oh because God. the home leg, which was twenty eighth of June, twenty sixteen, Christy Fagan, the aforementioned uh, got the goal in the tenth minute. You can check that out on the St Pat's social. We'll be popping it up tonight for one of those uh, on this day posts. So that was one in in two thousand and sixteen. Um if we talk it's about few- home, if we talk about home European memories and. and I know at times in the latter rounds games had to go for the RDS or games had to go to Tala due to the wafer restrictions on seats and standing and all that jazz but in the earlier rounds in Richmond um, like there were just incredible electric atmospheres to play in um, and I'm sure you quite enjoyed them.
1: Yeah, there was one regret though, Jamie from m- my time at the club I wasn't was part of the 2012 um, magnificent run that they went on um, and 2013 we were beaten by Zalgiris um and we should never have lost that one we were we drew two all away from home Jair, myself and Jair, who had the oh my God we had the worst game in history in that first half over in Lithuania um like we were so bad and um thankfully in the second half I scored to make a one all it was my first and only European goal in that game and um they scored to make a two-1 and then Jerry scored uh, an 89 minute, minute goal um and and two away goals against that side we were expecting to win. And um unfortunately we we couldn't hold on. I think the, oh, I can't remember what going it but two-one, I think they beat us at home. Not hundred percent sure on that. Um, and that was a terrible disappointment. Um, but I just yeah, and then obviously Legia away from home was probably the best performance that I've ever been involved in in Pats um absolutely remarkable winning one nil gone into injury time superb defensive performance because that's what people talked about us that we weren't very great defensively but we can see i think 18 goals into 2013 league winning season and then in 2014 then not that game we were absolutely incredible and um i remember ken oman uh, he gave the ball away in the 94th minute and um what was his name he was uh, on the tip of my tongue anyway. He scored and uh, made it one all in the ninety fourth minute. And I remember Ken locked himself in his room that evening and he was refused to come down. He was very very upset over it. He he he, he had he he blamed himself for for the draw, letting the lads down. And Liam had to go up into his room to try and uh, just talk to him. He was really inconsolable after that game. But yeah, going back to the, the home performances, like it, there was always that Richmond roar that you that that you remember, but. We, We never gave I like the team that I was involved in. We never gave them that roar on too many of of an occasion, um, because we were always beaten um, in that in that game. The only only game we got that I got through with Pats was Qanesh, and that was the away leg in uh, the second leg. So um, that was a bit disappointing. Probably the only disappointment that I'd have at the club that we didn't do didn't go on a little little run in Europe.
0: Conan, how are you for time, sir? Because I told you we'd do till about 10 to five and I have another three questions and you're running off to a game. Can we keep going or do we need to wrap it up?
1: Jamie, this is about Pat's so I'll be here all night if you want me
0: to. Oh, well, that's all right. That's good. I just wanted to make sure you didn't have to collect the kids or go and clean your boots or do something like that, you know, because you have no kit man anymore, so you have to do that all yourself. I
1: know, yeah. Well, I always kind of looked after my own boots, but um, yeah, looking at, and, and me gear, it's just, that's actually not bad up in River Valley, actually. I'm just thinking about it now they have it all left out for you. So oh, good. Go. Yeah, I, I,
0: I, good. I miss, I, I miss, um, what's the word I'm looking for now? I misjudged um, maybe how, how uh, people yeah. will be treated now in your, in your amateur career because of course loads of amateur clubs are doing great work and they even have a kit man. Only since Conan signed, I'm only joking. <laughs> uh, Conan Byrne, you are a scorer of great goals and you've scored lots of them 1st Saint pats across the six years. We don't have time to talk about all of them because there's too many, but you're going to pick a couple for us that uh, stick out in your mind most across your time. And uh, I have a funny feeling Daly Mount Park might feature in one of them. And there's a couple of others that you want to, you want to remember as well.
1: Yeah. But Daly Mount Park is probably the, the one that everyone will remember. Um, because it was my hundredth goal in League of Ireland football. It's my first of the season. It was my first ever goal at Dailymount. Mount. Um, considering I played there for 10, 12, 13 years previously, never scored. Um. And yeah, I remember like I tried it a couple of weeks previously against Gary Rogers, and I was so close. I don't know how he got his little fingertip and put it over the bar with Oreo. So it was always in my mind to do it. I always looked at the keeper Jamie from, from when I was 12, 13 years old, I'd always look to see where the keeper was. I actually tried one, another one there on, on Friday night in the game um, and just clipped the top of the bar and went over. So I'd always, I'd always try it. But in that game, I don't know what made me do it because Daily Mount Park is the biggest pitch in the world. It's absolutely huge. And I'm kicking it uphill as well. And I will never strike a ball like it again. I don't care what anyone says because it's coming across me as well, which is, a, which is difficult in itself. Um, and I just caught it so sweetly. And as soon as I hit it, it was I knew it was in um, and I'd started running. And I, again, I'm bringing my parents back into this again. But my, my mother and father, as be it, I, I said, went to every single game. They missed that one they were in uh they were in london at the time and that night my dad broke his femur um falling down the stairs now put on record my dad doesn't drink but he's very very clumsy and um he missed he he put his hand on the banister but there was no banister on those set of stairs and he just tumbled down the stairs and landed uh landed on a heap and broke his femur but um i'll always remember that weekend but um I think the best goal I ever scored probably was a couple of weeks later. I Like people say, oh, halfway line, you can just, you just hit it. And probably, there was a bit of skill in it, but to a relative case, it's, it's how hard you can hit a ball. But the, I was up in McGinn Park uh, playing um, against Derry City a couple of weeks later. And um, I think that was my best goal where I um, Lee Desmond done, done great uh, at the corner of the box, laid it back to me. I took one touch and I just chipped it over from the edge of the, Box went right over Jared Doherty's head into the far corner, and technically that is um, a very, very difficult skill. And surprisingly, surprised myself um, when it went in. So I definitely, uh, definitely put that up there. Scored a free kick down Cork, which was um, which uh, which I was delighted with as well because it was on free kicks when Killian wasn't wasn't uh, taken over. And yes, yeah, so there was a couple of goals yeah that I that I was scored, but I was always happy with whatever whatever came my way.
0: Now, Conan Byrne, I know you love a stat, and I have to thank John Owens, a.k.a. Dodge, for this. You have scored 77 goals in 251 games, which we mentioned at the start. You've also scored in the FAI Cup, the League Cup, the Europa League, the Satanta Cup, the Leinster Senior Cup, and the League of Ireland. You've never scored less than seven in a season. Your highest was 18 in 2014. So I do know you enjoy a stat because uh, I love your podcast for many reasons. One of them is your uh, your little nuggets of information and stats that you have, so I thought I'd throw that in. And thanks to Dodge for giving us the thanks, ultimate Dodge. lowdown of your uh, goal-scoring history.
1: Yeah, that's that's nice. I never thought of thought of that one actually. Um, pity I didn't score in the President's Cup though. See, I'm, I'll still mention that one. Yeah, um, well, it,
0: well, it's 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 not on the list. Dodge sent me, and Dodge doesn't miss those things. So no, you didn't score in the President's No, Cup. I definitely
1: didn't. I'll tell you that. I only played in one, and we won it actually. Keep fighting wonder strike against Sligo in uh, 2014. So. um yeah, it was. Uh, it was. Um, that's a. Yeah, it's a nice stat to look back on to be able to say that I scored in most cup competitions, and um, and I'm very, very proud. Look, Jim, I'm very, very proud of the career that I had at St. Pat's. It's. Uh, and people say, "Oh, would you like to do it all again?" I was like, "Absolutely no way would I like to do it all again, because there's no way I would have the career that I had if I did it again."
0: Moving towards the end of your St. Pat's career, Colin, and there was a League Cup in 2015, a League Cup in 2016, and then. In the last couple of seasons, the team struggled a little bit in 2017. It almost went to the wire. That was the year where three teams went down. I think St. Pat's ended at four points off what would have been ninth place, but it could have been a lot worse and there was a little bit of pressure on and stuff. Can you put your finger on why for the last couple of seasons things team just dropped off having been so successful in the previous three or four?
1: We lost some players. Um, Jamie and um, Christy got injured and um, Chris Forrester left. So there's our... Two of our front three gone. Um, Greg had left, Kenny had left. These players are replaceable, and um, the players that came in were were all very very talented. Uh, Lee came in, obviously uh, Lee Desmond, um, and has and is doing really really well. And um, we'd lost Sean Hor as well, Jamie McGrath. So these players had come in in around 2014, 2015, did really really well for a season or two, and then then went on, and you can't begrudge them for that. Um, so I do think that the the, the standard of player, and no disrespect to them, because I'm still like I still be pals with most of them, but they wouldn't be as good as the team that we had in 2013 and 2014, and that's just that's just the way football goes. Um, yeah, we were very lucky to escape relegation that that, that season. Um, but having said that, I've never for one second felt that we were going to go down. Even heading up to Bunkrana to uh, McGinn Park in that last game of the season, where Killian scored to to make it to make it one 0 put us one 0 up. We drew, drew the game eventually. Never ever felt that we were gonna that we were gonna go down. Um, not saying that we were too good to go down, but just never felt as if that we we were going to. Um, so yeah, that was it was tough those last few years um, at the club because I had only been used to success at, at St. Pat's, um, but it still didn't take my my love away, and um, never wanted to leave. Unfortunately, when I when I did.
0: Now, Conan, I don't want any tears, please, if possible, on the podcast. But <laughs> tell me about the night before your last match for St. Pat's, which was at the end of the 2018 season.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I've, I've, I've spoken about this um, too too often, but I remember we were training in, in, in Richmond Park the night before the, the Derry game the last, last day of the season. And um, I wanted to know before that last game whether or not that I was... Uh, whether or not I was going to be playing, and look, Jer was caretaker and he was kind of giving me kind of a little lowdown saying, Look, the next manager's coming in is going to be going full time morning training. So I knew straight away then that I would be that would be my last season, um, and probably my last game at the club. But I wanted I don't know, wanted it to be finalized before that game, and um, just for my own for my own self. And when Hardy, uh, Hardy was, um, was brought in as manager, unbelievable man. Harry is really, really top, top drawer. And in fairness to him, like I, w- I went to him after and I said, Look, Harry, I think that's I just want confirmation that uh, my time at the club has come to an end. And he was like, No, no, we're gonna have to do something. Um, we can uh, can you take a career break from school? I was like, No, I'm not willing to do that. Um, oh, I might, I might see if we can do afternoon training again. I was like, no chance, Harry. That's been done the last couple of years. I felt terrible. The, the, I mean, the only person that afternoon is afternoon training is done for is for myself, um and plus maybe some of the one or two of the younger college lads. That's it. Like you're not going after doing football for me. I'm not not doing that on the lads again. um And then he was like, he was just looking at me, and I was looking at him. And I was like, that's it, then, Harry. Is it? And uh, and he was like. We call it then. I said, Yeah, yeah, we'll call it then. And he gave me the biggest hug that anybody, anybody in football has ever given me. And he goes, He called me an expletive anyway, saying uh, that he wanted to work with me. And from that, I can tell you exactly where I was. I was on the uh, um, the 18 yard box of the, the old, I the we'll call it the old shed end now. Um, and from there to when I walked down the steps, my, I was gone, my was tears in my eyes, I was there, uh, but thankfully nobody, everybody had gone inside by this stage because I was talking to him after the train, it was tears in my eyes, nobody had seen me, so when I went down, I kind of got back to myself, I was okay, and went down the steps, but I knew that if anybody had come and said, oh, what happened, or gave me a hug, or whatever, I would be gone, absolutely, but thankfully, up steps, Brendan Clark to absolutely slate me over my burner or something, and, um, yeah, it made it all okay. I was grand then. It's fine. Everyone just laughing at me. So um then that last game, yeah, it was it's nice to finish on such a high. Um, because I've always said that assists were, were my number one priority as a as a footballer. Goals were a bonus. Um and to finish off my, my patch career with with four four out of five assists was was really, really nice. And um we won the game quite convincingly and the, convincingly. And the, the send off that I got when I was substituted for Joe Manley, I think. But um, about 15 minutes to go was uh, something that will live with me for yeah for the rest of my life.
0: Yeah, I saw you and Harry having the hug. It was just in front of the home dugout, wasn't it, at Richmond, when you were having that conversation? Yeah, heading oh, I down
1: just... towards the...
0: Yeah, I used to come to train the day before to do some interviews with the manager and a player and stuff, as I still do now. But back then, it was the afternoon train, as you mentioned, and the club were going back to train in the mornings and stuff. But and um, I wasn't aware of, of after that that you went and had that moment on your own before you went back down to the changing rooms to get your bag and have a shower and that and head off but um, I suppose that clearly shows just your connection and your feelings to the club that you were you were literally you know tears in your eyes standing on the pitch when you knew yeah. that, that didn't, you, you trained for the last time and you're about to play your last game
1: yeah I didn't want to leave you know I didn't I really didn't want to leave but I knew that I, I had to like for, for to benefit of the club going forward because they were going full-time morning training and everything that's associated with that it's it's um it's obviously for for recovery and um it's just even for signing players it's it's a great tool to have to be able to say yeah full-time morning training um new facility as well that they were going to in balayusta and um
0: yes balayusta correct
1: yeah and uh yeah, so it was it was great for the club going forward, and um, it was just a. I'm not going to say it was a pity that I, I started my teaching career, but um, because it's not, I love my teaching career, and I'd be I'm absolutely blessed to have it now that I'm retired. Um, but it was just time, time to move on.
0: Last two, co, uh, your relationship with the the people in the club in general, whether that be the people that work there, your former. Teammates who were still here, the likes of Lee Desmond is still here. Jamie Lennon, Burmo, Forrester, Barry Murphy, to name a few. There's lots of new players as well, of course. And uh, of course, the supporters, the volunteers. You, you mentioned, you know, the Hanleys and you mentioned Paddock Allen earlier on as well. And anytime anything is mentioned about Conan Byrne on the social media channels or in conversations, people's eyes light up and, and they just love you. And I know you love them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's um and I haven't like obviously COVID has, has hit and I haven't been able to get it to get across to the games as much as I would have liked. As I said, I was able to say it when, when I retired that St. Pat's was my club and um, and it will be. Um, because as I said, when I signed, I'm sure a lot of faces came up going, why are we signing this fella? He hasn't done, he's done nothing. Like he's, we're, we came second in the league. We need players here that will come on and push us on. And um, they didn't think like that really. Like, you know, they they, they got behind me straight away. Um, obviously the four goals in Tala really, really helped. Um in that kind of a I don't know, that association between the fans and, and myself. And um yeah, it was just a wonderful, wonderful time. And that uh like even my kids, like they have their, their Pat's jerseys with burn on the back, burn number seven, and um yeah, they 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 haven't gone, they, they consider themselves Pat's fans as well.
0: And you're now a Pats fan too, Conan Byrne, and the team is doing really well. I said you'd be with us soon for uh, LOI TV with myself and Jer for, for one of the live games. You'll get you suited and booted for that on the side of the pitch in Richmond. But uh, have you enjoyed watching the team this year? And I know even, I suppose, when you left Shells and you were playing in a different league up north, you, you were able to be, you know, be more of a, an open Pats fan, if that makes sense, and, and the team are doing great. I mentioned some of your former teammates, and um, obviously there's lots of new players as well. you you know personally others that you, you might not know too much. You clearly know Alan and Stephen O'Donnell quite well and whatever, and uh, the team top of the point at the moment level with Shamrock Rovers and Sligo. So, exciting to be a, a Saints fan now.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and that's why I was so surprised last week with Bow going, oh yeah, Dublin's red and black. Will you go out of that? You said, even nowhere near the top of the league, <laughs> Dublin's red and white. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's great to see, James. You know, it's been a long time coming now, as I said, of, from those glory days of of 2013 2014 maybe if you want to put in 2015 as well and it's great to see pats back where back competing at, at, at that level um like yes they've some like I, I can only imagine what like those some sloppy um results um before the break and you um, can only imagine where we'd be if, if we had won those you know but um it's great to see chris forrester back to his best i know people are saying it all the time. Um, but he's absolutely fantastic. Alfie Lewis has been has been a joy to watch as well. And hopefully he can he can stay on till the end of the season. Um, and Roland, Roland Cochrane two scoring goals. Do you know what I like? I the the this the top three this year remind me of the twenty thirteen top three, Um, because there's goals coming from everywhere. It's not just one player scoring all the goals. And I think you need that to, to win a league. Shrewsbury did it last year um, with with the goals that they had spread out over the over their their attacking. Um, players, so I think it's very very important. And Muddy Smith, now, what is it? Three goals in four, four games. Yeah, yeah three goals in four games. He's he's really really uh he's flying, and he had a wonderful season at Waterford last season. And um yeah, it's it's all going well. I just just hope that they uh that they push on now again and and uh, pick up that title at the end of the season.
0: Would be very very nice indeed, uh, Conan. Lastly, you've got lots going on, even though you're retired as a professional footballer, and um, you're course working as a teacher which you've spoken about you've got a missus and two kids you've got your family you've also got your career now at River Valley too and you've got your podcast and your media work and stuff and you're you're only 35 so um, it's fair to say you'll be kept busy with all of those things which I know you're still very very passionate about and um, yeah the fact that your life as a pro footballer is over there's uh, lots more life to live as they say and and lots more to do
1: yeah absolutely as I said I'll always stay involved in the league I love it absolutely love it uh, I love the personalities around I love I love seeing the improvements um in the league it's been small but I think that that we're getting there slowly but surely um I just think that there's the the atmosphere of League of Ireland grounds is is different to any other game that I've ever been to anywhere in the world um and excuse me yeah just like I love working in the, working the leagues. I I like going to underage football and seeing the players coming through. Like, obviously I'm going to mention, um, Johnny Kenny and the the amount of goals that he scored at underage football. It was only a matter of time. And I remember talking to Dave Campbell about him towards the end of last season. I was like, Dave is what is this fella? He's like, he scored like 20, 22 goals in, in underage football last year. And he was like, yeah, he's, he's got a bit of a chance this this lad and look at him this season. So I like seeing how the underage systems work as well and seeing what type of player will break through. Um, so, yeah, I'm a big big fan of both the League of Ireland and the Women's National League as well. And, um, yeah, I'd be a, a firm a supporter of, of both.
0: Great stuff for well, Conan Byrne. Thanks a million for jumping on. We've chatted for just under an hour now, which uh, shows just so much of the same path story you had to tell. I hope the supporters watching and listening to us enjoyed it. Conan, that was episode eight of Talking Saints. Every other episode has had at least three guests. And this one has just been Conan Byrne because... You're such a path sledge and we've so much enjoyed listening to you for the last while telling us about your time at Pat. So thanks a million and we'll see you at Richmond really soon.
1: Absolutely, Jamie. Thanks for having me, mate.